The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm delighted to be back with you again for yet another week. And today we're going to be talking with um, a wonderful guest, Liam Black, about social entrepreneurship and leading businesses for good. Before I introduce that, Liam, I'd like to say a big thank you to my guest last week, Catherine Woods, who really got me thinking about meetings. And I suddenly became consciously aware of why in an organization it's so critical to do them really well. You know, they're actually the engine house of knowledge sharing and decision making. And the consolidation of the success of all of your meetings is going to have a major impact on the performance of your business. So well worth focusing on getting your meetings right and making them really effective. I also thought Catherine was very brave. She shared a very life changing and um, distressing period of her life and uh, went on to become an ambassador for Child Bereavement UK. And I thought it was a wonderful testimony last week of her strength. She was my uh, most inspiring person of the month um, that I met uh, last month. Um, Anyway, so uh, I thought from one sociably responsible act um, with with Meeting Magic last week and uh, UK uh, Child Bereavement, um, we could talk this week about social entrepreneurship. I think it brings us nicely onto that topic. So what is social entrepreneurship and how do you best lead a socially responsible business? My guest, Liam Black, is one of the best-known social entrepreneurs. He's UK-based. He's also an impact investor and a writer. And he's co-founder and chief encouragement officer of Wavelength, a company with the mission of changing the world for the better through business. And we had some great feedback on the show a few weeks ago with uh, with his colleague, um, Adrian Simpson, who talked about uh, the um, key uh, principles of high-performing leadership. Now, Liam brings together leaders from a wide range of sectors and industries. His clients, members and partners include Rolls-Royce, BBC, Dyson, Lego, Ikea, as well as a global range of social businesses, including Grameen and Aravind. He's helped create and led a dozen social businesses, and most famously 15. Um, Some of you may know the uh, famous celebrity chef, Jamie Oliver. Well, he did that with Jamie, and he grew it into a global brand. He helped create and advises to investment funds, which between them are investing $80 million in social innovation. And he's the author of There's No Business Like Social Business in 2004. And in November 2014, he published a social entrepreneur's A to Z on anxiety, leadership and getting enough sleep, which draws together the advice that he gives many young entrepreneurs with whom he engages with around the world. So a big welcome to my guest today, Liam Black. Yeah, it's very nice to be here. Hello. Hi there. Great to speak to you, Liam. 
And um, I'm really excited to talk about you. I thought we had a, a great chat a couple of weeks ago. and We certainly did. There's some really you know, fascinating things, I think, in your background and in your CV. And I just wonder whether we could maybe start with you sharing a little bit about where your passion for social entrepreneurship came from. I can get it out. <laughs> yes. Uh, hard to say, hard to define. Uh, so uh, my passion for social entrepreneurship, uh, by which I understand you to mean, you know, wh- wh- where did I get that passion to sort of try and create enterprises which address, you know, big, chunky social issues? Um, I think for me, it came out of my upbringing. I'm the son of uh, Irish working class immigrants into the UK. My dad came over here in the late 60s to work on the building sites like lots of um, Irish men of his generation. And I kind of grew up in an environment where work for people was very vulnerable, very insecure, and on building sites, pretty dangerous. And I think, you know, uh, that my interest in how do you create meaningful opportunities and work for people who are sort of often left out or regarded on the bottom of society, I think it maybe it came from there. So I've always been really, really interested in um, how we can create enterprises and ways of bringing in people who are usually left out. And I started doing that in my early career in a, in a very sort of traditional way, very mainstream. I worked with, you know, setting up homeless shelters and uh, was uh, involved in that kind of charitable activity. But in my uh, sort of early 30s, I found myself on a board of a of a charity in Liverpool in the northwest of England, where we kind of decided that there's got to be a better way of doing this. There's got to be a better way of generating the money we need in order to achieve our purpose, which was getting furniture into the homes of very poor people and creating jobs for guys coming out of prison or out of homelessness. And so we began reinventing ourselves. And um, that, it turns out, was what social enterprise is. We didn't call it that at the time. But the idea of creating enterprises that start, whose starting point is how do we change this social problem but don't rely on charity, on, on, on philanthropy or the kindness of strangers but do it by creating market-facing, profitable enterprises. So that's where it came from. It came out of a personal passion, uh, mainly for young people and how we can create opportunities for our youth, and also a frustration at the limitations of charity and philanthropy. And that's what I've been sort of, that's been my adventure since my early 30s, and I'm now in my mid-50s and have been lucky enough to help set up and lead lots of interesting social businesses. And and to advise lots of startups and now through the funds that I'm involved in, uh, which I call Impact Ventures UK and uh, Ignite, I'm able to invest in startups and help existing social enterprises scale. So a personal passion and a, a really interest in enterprise. Wonderful. And, and that's led you to uh, talking in you know, 10 Downing Streets, which is our... Yes, it's funny where we all all end up, isn't it? We start one place and we end up uh, somewhere else. So, yes, I was involved with in the sort of uh, um, uh, early 2000s when the UK government launched its first social enterprise strategy, which was an attempt to see how through the tax system, through investment, through procurement, these sorts of enterprises could be encouraged in the UK. And I was very fortunate to sort of be part of the team that launched that and stood beside Tony Blair and Gordon Brown in uh, in doing that sort of pinched myself that there I was standing in number 10 beside 
um, Tony Blair talking about you know the social enterprise, socially enterprising activity that, that I've been doing. So it was uh, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, yeah, the wonderful you know parallel there from you you talking coming from a very kind of working class background in Ireland. Yeah, and you know and those building sites you described and uh, uh, to you know one day you're there standing next to. Uh, Tony yeah. and Gordon Brown. Absolutely, and that's that, that. That's part of the message that I, I do a lot of talking to young people and young entrepreneurs and you know change makers. And you know, one of my really strong beliefs, and certainly has I've tried to put it through all of the enterprises I've been involved in, is that where you are now and what happened in the past absolutely does not have to dictate your future, and that your future can be really, really different. And I think that. You know, I've been involved in all sorts of enterprises. You, know, you mentioned the time, you know, the years I worked with Jamie Oliver, my time in Liverpool, the work that I do now. I think if there's one thing that binds together those enterprises, which have been recycling and hospitality and event management and retail, it has been this belief that if you get it right through business, that can be a, a, an experience of liberation and genuine empowerment for young people to bring them from one place in society to another. I'm, 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 I'm really passionate and, and, and convinced of that. Mm, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I had a wonderful experience myself last week. Um, I worked um, as, a, as a voluntary helping thing, but we helped 68 sixth form students stand up and do their first ever speech. And uh, there was a group of uh, us speakers and it was a really, really empowering thing to do actually. Um, I think some of those people will remember that for the rest of their lives. I certainly will for mine. Yeah, well, one of, one of the great joys of my middle age uh, being in London is is going out to restaurants and, um, you know, chefs, young men, or not that young anymore, coming out of the kitchens and saying, hi, Liam, do you remember me? And, you know, they were young people who were on our programme at 15, which was the chef apprenticeship. And that's 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 so fulfilling to... Um, you know, see how people, if you give them the right support in the right way, in a real business and give them real skills, they can really, really fly. And I think that, you know, so many societies and, and the UK is is very much one of these, is where we just write off so many of our young people too early. And I've discovered through my time at 15 with Jamie and other enterprises that I've been involved in, the mentoring that I do today, there is so much talent, so much potential amongst our young people if we but give them a chance mm-hmm. and I think that you know if it doesn't sound too you know pontificating but I think that you know the role of the social entrepreneur and the little bit I'm trying to play through the businesses I have and the and, and the investment that we have is to try and create those pathways for people to bring them into the center of society to give them a chance um, and, and, I, and I see that growing around the world you know, um, I have contact with entrepreneurs all over the place, like the States, Asia, Africa and beyond. And, and it's very exciting to be part of a movement that's trying to blend the best of the nonprofit world. You know, a concern for, you know, those who are on the margins of society with the best of business and the best of entrepreneurialism, creating great businesses that can endure and create the revenue and the profit that's necessary for growth. Excellent. So I think one of the things that would be helpful to look at, we, I think you, you probably answered the question, but we should just make sure that people are, are really clear, is you know, how do we define social entrepreneurship? I've also heard the word social enterprise used yeah. as well. And then you mentioned philanthropy as well. Yeah. 
you want to just um, explain? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a you know there's a sort of ongoing angsty debate in the UK and beyond about you know what is a social enterprise. Sometimes around how government policy and taxation and uh, uh, tax relief can be structured in a way to encourage it. But my, my approach to it is very simple. It's uh, I used to I used to run a, a, a this company I ran in Liverpool began as a a very traditional secondhand charity collecting furniture begging money from from foundations and others to take the money and do some work. And when the money ran out, the work stopped, and we'd have to go back and beg money. The socially enterprising approach is to say, okay, what we want to do is to get furniture into the homes of impoverished families and create opportunities for long-term unemployed people. Let's create businesses that can do that. So we moved away from collecting um, old furniture and recycling it into the manufacture of furniture. Uh, we moved away from being reliant upon foundations giving us money to becoming reliant on our ability to create products and services. So an image that may help you know, people make the difference between um, charity and social enterprise is in the old model, we had a, a, a rattling tin where you say, please, Chris, give me some money and I'll do some good work uh, on your behalf. In the new model, we're saying, Chris, here's my catalogue. Would you like to buy some of my stuff? Oh, I know. By the way, in the purchasing that you're making of my stuff, um, we are helping young people or we are helping long-term unemployed people. But even if you don't care about that, still buy my stuff. So when I worked in the restaurant business with Jamie, we weren't saying to people, please come along and donate some money and we'll help young people train them to be chefs. We were saying, no, come along to our business, have a fantastic meal, one of the best meals you can have in London and Cornwall and Amsterdam and Melbourne where we opened these businesses. Oh, and by the way, the profit that we generate from that goes towards our apprenticeship and in the kitchen right now are some of those young people cooking your dinner. So it's a, it's a very different mindset. It, it starts from how do we create viable enterprises to address this social issue rather than can you give me some money and I will do some good? And, and, and I do want to say, Chris, that I'm not saying charity is bad or philanthropy is bad. I think there are many great philanthropists in the world. And, you know, there's, there's a whole whole series of ways that we need to reach out to you know, poor people and, and oppressed people that can only be done through charity. But I think for the right in the right places with the right people, creating these viable enterprises is the way to do it. And it's certainly been something that I found a really powerful way um, of addressing the social issues that I'm, I'm personally concerned about. Just, just interested in, you know, you, there was a furniture business, which uh, you made viable and there was uh, Jamie's business uh, that you also made viable. Are there, are there sort of limitations in terms of um, where you can put these people and the amount of upskilling and that's required? I, I don't think so. I mean, some of the things that we are, I'm investing in at the moment are very high tech um, uh, platforms, uh, and, and it's, it's important to say that um, you know the social enterprise is not just about providing um, employment and work opportunities for people. There's a whole plethora of in, in every market you can think of: housing, hospitality, FMCG, technology, healthcare. There are social entrepreneurs all of the world, all over the world, doing amazing things at scale. Uh, but I think that the only thing that you know stands in our way is our imagination. I mean, Muhammad Yunus, the sort of godfather of the social entrepreneur movement, who created the Grameen Bank in Bangladesh, which now has millions of 
uh, customers, and they run schools and hospitals and insurance. It's a, a, a amazing. You know, he says that the you know the only thing standing in our way is our own mind and our own imagination. And and what I have seen over the last twenty five years since we began this experiment in Liverpool. Uh, about creating viable enterprises, I see it all over the world now. You can study at university. Every business school around the world now has a social entrepreneurship program, which amazes me. I, you know, I, I get invited to speak at a lot of them. I was in Barcelona um, a couple of months ago speaking to hundreds of bright, shiny, brainy young people from all over the world. You know, and someone was saying to me there, you know, um, and I often get spoken to like an old geezer now you know say you know um do you think things are different do you think that generation y care more about social issues than i said you mean like old blokes like me and he said yeah i said no i don't think it's the case that young people today care more than they did when i was young or when you were young chris although you're obviously still very young um but i think the options that are open to young people are greater now you know, that I think the whole burst of technology that's come in the last 10 years, uh, it just gives people a lot more options to express their entrepreneurialism and their social concern in a way when I was young, it was much more binary. You know, there was business, there was charity, there was the public sector. Which road do you want to go down? I think we're in a much more hybrid, blended world. And I think um, it's a great time to be young. I think, you know, I look at the young entrepreneurs that, that we invest in and I mentor. And I think, blimey, you know, what an exciting time to be alive. The, the global connectivity that there is now. I mean, here am I speaking to you, Chris. We've never met. And hopefully there are lots of people listening to this conversation all over the world and will continue to listen to that. That is miraculous. That didn't exist, you know, just at the briefest of time ago. And that gives all of us entrepreneurs and particularly young entrepreneurs starting up the opportunity to really you know, make a difference and get to scale a lot quicker than I was able to. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. I've just written a written a book uh, and uh, that's being published this year and I've written it with somebody, an expert, Dr. Stephen Levinson, who's based in Minnesota and we've never met. We've spent three years working on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's incredible yeah. what you can what you can do today. Yeah, I, I think that, I think the, you know, the downside, not the downside, the, 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 the watch out on that technology is that I think too many young people think if they've, done a tweet or they've done a Facebook posting that they've changed something in the world. I think that can be an excuse. You know, that was it called clickism. Mm. That can be, that can be an excuse. But um, I think that uh, overall, I think that technology, um, you know, that you can hold that technology in your hand in one device and connect with like-minded people all around the world to create something new is very powerful. It is. We're going to go to commercial break now. After the commercial break, we shall start to get into some of the A to Z of, uh, of social entrepreneurship. Um, so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more that's info at be more now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Liam Black. We're talking about social entrepreneurship. And uh, Liam, um, just before we get on to the A to Z and uh, some of the great points in your book, um, I just want like you to explain how social entrepreneurship fits in with uh, the, you know the business that you you know co-founded, same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I decided at the end of my forties, having spent sort of fifteen years as a, as a sort of founder and CEO of particular social enterprises that in my 50s, I wanted to play a part in helping create the broader sort of ecosystem within which entrepreneurs who want to change the world through business can flourish. And there were two things I thought were important in that. One was to enable um, change makers and social entrepreneurs to get access to the training and learning and uh, inspiration that a lot of senior people in the private sector take for granted. And so um, uh, th- that's what we've done. So through Wavelength, where we bring together leaders from you know, lots of big businesses with the leaders of nonprofit companies, social enterprises, and so on. So we've, we've been able to help hundreds of social entrepreneurs and change makers over the last seven years get access to what I think, you know, humbly, is genuinely world-class inspiration and learning in Silicon Valley, in Bangladesh, getting inside amazing companies and hearing from very successful business leaders um, share their learning. So helping to accelerate the learning of social entrepreneurs is one of the reasons we created the Wavelength platform. And then the second thing that's really important in creating an ecosystem is access to capital. Uh, So that was why the two funds that I've created, one with uh, LGT and Berenberg Bank and one with Centrica, which is a a UK-based energy business, uh, that I'm so pleased about that, that we're trying to um, you know, build that ecosystem about learning and about money. And then the third bit was about you know, sharing my learning and hopefully that you know, what I've experienced will be of use to people. So I do a lot of blogging, I do a lot of speaking, 
uh, you know, uh, uh, on behalf of Wavelength. Uh, and I published this book, uh, The A to Z, which I hope in its small way, again, will help build the knowledge base and the resilience and the sticking power and will um, of uh, entrepreneurs all over the world who really want to use their businesses to generate some really powerful social good. Yeah, I think you do some really wonderful work. I, 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 I obviously invited yourself and also aging onto the show and, and you know, I did that having been very inspired about what it is that wavelength do. And I came, I, we you obviously, I obviously didn't make a very good impression because we have met once. I did I introduce myself at your event at, that you had in London a few uh, weeks ago. And uh, it was incredible. Great people there and, uh, and some wonderful people standing up and from people like uh, Southwest airlines. And yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a belief that um, you, you, if you go in with your eyes and your ears and your heart open, you can learn from anything. Um, and so, you know, when we have our events all over the world, we will often put on, you know, together a senior corporate leader with a social entrepreneur. And so often the kind of way in which their lessons are the same about how you scale an organization, the importance of culture, the importance of hiring the right people, you know, the importance of staying close and understanding your customer and at a personal level, how you how you generate resilience and strength as a leader and and crucially when it's the time to go uh so yeah thanks 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 for the compliment i think we've we're doing some we're doing some good stuff and we're trying to um not say one form of business is better than another and it's better to be the leader of a social enterprise than than a leader of a corporate or a, a family owned business we're not saying that at all what we are saying is bringing those leaders together is a very powerful way for everyone to learn from one another. And our business is about holding the space in which that can happen and curating those spaces with interesting learning um, and inspiration. You know, it's just such a, a delight to be able to, you know, spend time with everyone from, you know, Mohammed Yunus in Bangladesh through to senior leaders in Silicon Valley. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's really a regret. And it, but in that mix, a big driver for me is to really help um, social entrepreneurs um, get what they need in order to accelerate and not make the stupid mistakes I made in my 20s and 30s and, dare I say, into my 40s as well. They can make their own mistakes. They don't have to make mine and, and the sort of those who have gone before. And helping people learn from my experience and the experience of others is, is one of the reasons that we created Wavelength. I was fascinated talking to some of the leaders that you, that you mentioned um, that actually they were in corporates, but they they were embracing social entrepreneurship, and uh, they were they were talking about it. And one of them was sharing something she was doing with the United Nations, and and I just thought, wow, you know, this is re- you're really onto something. What you're doing here, it's, uh, it's you're, I, hope it's so. yeah, I, I mean, I I have I have a, a passionate belief, you know, that something is trying to be born in the world, a new way of doing business, a new way of thinking about how we generate and share wealth that doesn't create inequality and doesn't damage the environment in the way that we are. Um, and I think that, the, that, that there has to be collaboration. No one sector has got the answer to this. But we're not very good at collaborating, uh, uh, I think, homo sapiens often, and certainly in business and certainly tackling big, hairy social and environmental issues. We're not great. And so one of the things we're trying to do through Wavelength is to bring people together, to learn together, and, and, and in that learning, learn how to collaborate. And I, and I think that, um, you know, I, I have never, we've never done an event or done a sort of intervention with our mixture of leaders where anyone has said, 
I don't get this, I'm not passionate about it. What often is challenging for people in particularly larger corporations is how they make that real inside their business yeah. and in their own leadership style and, um, and journey. And that's, you know, that makes it very interesting. And I do a lot of coaching of, uh, of people like that. And, um, you know, being able to work in the UK with hundreds of leaders across all those businesses, you know, as I speak to you right now, Adrian is in um, Silicon Valley with 25 of our uh, members and clients. It's very exciting to be part of that and play our small part in helping create a generation of leaders that are interested in not only creating really profitable businesses that people love working for and customers love, but also have a strong sense of how they can align their brand and their people with some of the social issues that the communities in which they do business um, uh, can have a big impact. And that's very exciting. And I think we're, we're still at the early days of that um, with Connect and I think more broadly around the world. But I'm really encouraged by the numbers of people I see getting involved. It's, it, 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 it heartens this old heart, Chris. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, you know, a, a to Z. And yeah. we haven't got, we're not going to have time to go through A to Z. But maybe let's start with A because I thought this was a you know, very good um, point. This was about the you know, leading businesses for good. And um, the first um, thing was anxiety, which I think we probably all feel from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think in large part led by the sort of, sometimes a bit too sort of testosterone-fueled entrepreneurial culture coming out of Silicon Valley. I think there's often, there can be this kind of myth of the fantastic entrepreneur who's not afraid of anything, who transforms the world. My experience is that... Um, uh, certainly my own personal experience and those entrepreneurs I've mentored is that anxiety is is something that really does that people really do need to come to terms with and, and I guess it's inevitable that if you're creating something new you're going somewhere where someone has you're going somewhere where someone hasn't been before uncertainty doubt anxiety come with the territory and I think that one of the things I help them, one of the reasons I wrote the book and one of the things I hope it will help entrepreneurs with is that you shouldn't be saying to yourself, oh, I shouldn't be worried. I should be much more confident than I feel. I think what you should be able to say is that anxiety is part of the deal here and that it can be a good thing. It can be what drives you on, what gets you out of bed in the morning. But if it starts driving you, uh, then it can uh, re really take you to a bad place and can get in the way of you being the best entrepreneur um, that you can be. And that's something I've had to learn. And I think it's about, you know, getting yourself a mentor, looking after yourself, having great people around you, and being honest uh, with yourself and others about uncertainty and the doubt that you face. Because I think that anxiety just comes with the territory. Um, there's a quote at the start of that chapter, um, uh, Jody Piku, the author, who says, anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. And I think that's, that's true. And we, we've all got to come to terms with it. And it's one of the things that, as I say, when I mentor young entrepreneurs, we deal with. Yeah, yes. Uh, but as you say, it's part of the territory. So uh, <laughs> but it's just good to know that everybody else is in the same boat. And I think the other thing to say is that, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm 54 and I still suffer from anxiety. I mean, you know, we... I still um, wake up in the middle of the night, not as much as I do, and I can be able to deal with it better than I was when I was 24 and 34, I think, but it's still there, and I think it can be a sign of caring deeply about things, 
um, uh, uh, but also and it can be a bit of a sort of early uh, early alarm system about some of the stuff that I should be paying attention to. Mm. But it, for me, it has never gone away completely. Anxiety and 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 worry. Um, and you know, when I was young, I worried about oh God, am I you know, am I doing the right thing? Will I be successful? All of that. Now I worry about oh my goodness me, you know, um, I'm still the relatively young guy, but I'm not in the first flush. Am I doing the right thing? Am I creating a legacy in the world? So the things you worry about change, um, but I think as long as I don't let it dominate me, then I think um, it can be something that I just accept as part of me. And, and, and part of my life as a, as a social entrepreneur. And if I can help young people get that and not let it paralyze them um, or make them make bad decisions, then, you know, I think um, that, that, that fear or fear of failure of letting people down of losing money can be a powerful fuel for entrepreneurial drive, but it's deadly uh, if it becomes what drives us. Mm. I love the story behind B, which was business basics and nailing them. Do you want to share that? Yeah, sure. So I think that uh, it's very important for um, uh, all entrepreneurs, I think, who have a, who have a brilliant idea that um, they really do need to pay attention to the really dull, 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 but very important business basics. And I tell the story in the book of, you know, at the height of my messianic socially entrepreneurial fervor um, in the 90s, you, you really couldn't open a newspaper or turn on the radio or look at the television in the north of England without seeing me on the telly talking about you know how social enterprise and the drive of entrepreneurs would drag cities like Liverpool which had been in the economic doldrums for a long time into the brave new world of you know success and regeneration and um, I was uh, featured in the Liverpool paper banging on about this and said to my wife look at me aren't I great and she poured me a nice glass of red wine and I, I felt good about myself the next day I went into the office and there was a um, there was a note uh, in my office from Stan, and Stan was uh, one of our upholsterers on the shop floor and also the trade union convener, and he put a little note in my office that said, hey, Liam, I read in the Echo, the, the paper, that um, uh, you're going to change the world. You can't even get my wages right. Good luck with changing the world. And, you know, it really stopped me in my tracks, and we'd been having a lot of trouble in the company. We were a small company at that time maybe 100 people, but we've been having a, sm- a lot of trouble with getting the basics right about, you know, paying people. And uh, most of the guys who worked for the company were paid in cash every week in a, you know, one of those old-fashioned brown envelopes. They got their wages. And for many people who, you know, weren't wealthy and really relied on that, if we got that wrong week in, week out, that would have a big impact on them. And in a business that was created in order to provide work for people. It wasn't just a failure of systems. It was a, a real failure of mission. And that was a really, really, you know, slap in the side of the head to me to say, Liam, you know, it's all very well to have these great aspirations, but unless you get the systems right, you get the basics right, all you've got is hot air. Um, and again, that's something that I have to remind myself time and time again. Um, and for me, you know, someone who likes, I'm, I'm quite good at talking, I think, and I like audiences and I like doing all of that. I'm much more drawn to that than, you know, looking at spreadsheets and looking underneath vehicles and making sure that they work properly. But that's really, really important. And I remind myself about that constantly. And I I remind my entrepreneurs and certainly those we invest in that, you know, pay attention to the basics because unless you get those right, all you've got is aspiration. Mm -hmm. 
we've just got about three minutes till commercial commercial break. But I wondered, you know, what's your view on on hiring people, which I know was H, because we, we briefly yeah. talked I, about that a little bit. Earlier. I slowly fire quickly. I think that the biggest mistakes I've made in my business career, um, I made a lot. I think the biggest ones have all been around people hiring the wrong people not paying attention enough to who is being let into the company. And then once I was aware of that, then being too slow to deal with it. Because, you know, the secret to a successful enterprise is having a strong, talented, aligned leadership. And if you haven't got that, and you only need one of them not aligned, and you're in all sorts of trouble. And I think that we just often don't pay enough attention, uh, particularly as senior leaders, to how we recruit, who we recruit, and we sometimes delegate that to lots of other people, whereas I think that for for senior leadership, we really, really need to pay attention. And I would spend ages uh, in Liverpool and in London in the business that I've run looking at vehicles and agonizing about them and crawling over contracts and making sure that that piece of kit that we're buying for 50000 is the right piece of kit. Whereas over here, I might have been recruiting a senior manager at £50,000 a year and not paying enough attention. A broken down vehicle is a pain. You know, an underperforming, not, I don't get it leader can cause an enormous amount of damage. And I think that whether your business is small or whether your business is large, paying attention to culture, paying attention particularly to who you let in, how you let them in, and how you exit them as quickly as possible uh, if they're not um, uh, performing is really, really important. And I think particularly for young entrepreneurs, it's really important that they get that. Because if they're inexperienced, um, they can make some really, really disabling and damaging decisions by recruiting the wrong people. So, yeah, um, hire slowly and fire quickly. And that's supposed to be quite hard if, for example, you're recruiting you know, a, a long-term unemployed person. or Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah I, I, in the book, I'm mainly talking about you know, leadership in these organizations. But I think also, you know, uh, I think that you know, no one would have ever called me a soft touch in these enterprises. And, um, uh, you know, I would say to the guys we recruited in Liverpool, and I said to all the young men and women that we took on as chefs, I'm not your dad. You know, I'm the CEO of this company. And my job is to make sure that we do the best for you as your employer and your trainer and your champion. But I expect you to work really hard. I expect you to turn up. I expect you to do what you're being paid for. And if you don't, we'll address it and we'll try but there's the door as well for those of you who don't get it because there are a lot of people that want the chance that you've got. It's not about being soft or a pushover. It's about being really, really clear what the culture is and what's expected of people. And those are the things that understandably cause anxiety. <laughs> Indeed, they <laughs> do, yes. <laughs> we're going to go to commercial break again, and after the break we're going to be talking about uh, about risk and profit and uh, and um, S for superhero, you want to hear about that one. So um, do join us again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of The Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who'll be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. 
Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with Liam Black. And if you would like some uh, more information on the shows that are coming up and my take from them, uh, do subscribe to my newsletter at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. We just email you once a month uh, with all that information. Um, Liam, we were talking about um, some of the A to Z of um, of social entrepreneurship. And I wondered what um, your view is on P for profit. I mean, should social enterprise strive for profit when some people working in that sector might see profit as being a root of all evil? Yes, yes. I mean, profit. I mean, when I first started off uh, in social entrepreneurship, and I was sort of giving, I used to give a lot of talks to the nonprofit world. One of, one of my little uh, techniques to get up people's noses and make, make a point was I'd, I'd get everyone to stand up and I'd say, right, um, take a breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, and say after me, profit is good. And um, people used to get very angry with me. And, uh, in one case, at a, a, a big event I was talking at, a big charity event in Newcastle in the northeast of England, someone threw a shoe at me. They were so they were so angry. And I think that um, I think there's a misapprehension amongst them. Still, not as many people I think as there was, but still, I think there might be that you can only make a profit if you're screwing people, and that the idea of a social enterprise making a profit. Um, must mean that it's doing something wrong. I, I don't see it like that at all. The way I look at it is that in order to innovate, in order to offer people great opportunities, whether it's young chefs at 15 or it's uh, people uh, into the furniture business that I ran in, um, uh, in uh, Liverpool, that unless we are profitable, unless we have cash, we can't achieve our mission. We can't innovate and we can't become better and better and create more and more opportunities uh, for people. So... I think I think in the social enterprise world, profit is good. And in the impact investing I'm doing now, 
we are investing in companies and we expect a profit. We expect a return for the people who invested in our funds. And I think it can be a real tool, a real powerful tool uh, for organizations to uh, generate profit to, in order to achieve their social purpose. Another part of that profit debate, which I address in the book, is what is the most, what's the appropriate level of value that a founder of a social enterprise can take out? I mean, if you create a, you know, a, a quote-unquote normal business, you create a tech business in Silicon Valley, your expectation is that you will grow that and you will sell it and you'll make a lot of money and you'll move on to your next business or you'll become a philanthropist or you'll write a book or whatever. In the social enterprise world where the, the founding drive is not about making money, is not about amassing personal value, but in addressing a social issue, once that organization gets quite big, it needs some real talent to run it. Um, where's that talent coming from if we're not paying, we're not paying well? What is the level of that um, uh, monetary value that social entrepreneurs should be taking out of their businesses? And historically, in the UK at least, we've been very coy about talking about that. And, and whereas I'm saying in the book, and I say to say very publicly in the UK and other forums in which I speak, there's no right or wrong here. If you are happy to go into your middle age uh, you know, with a very low salary, but you feel very fulfilled by the work that you're doing um, through your social enterprise, absolutely fine. But, and, or, if you are also feel no, I want to take more value out of this company that I have created, that's fine too. What's wrong is not, is not calling it and making a decision. And I have seen... Uh, social entrepreneurs of my generation who have given decades of their life to create millions of pounds worth of value in the enterprises that they create on a non-profit model, feeling a bit, oh, actually, it doesn't feel so great to get into my 50s and not have a decent pension plan, to have a, you know, a relatively low salary. So again, it's not right or it's not wrong. It's, I'm saying to the young entrepreneurs I mentor, think about that now. What, is the, what, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Where do you want to be when you're 40, when you're 50? Are you going to have children? How will you take care of them? You know, do, or, or, so really talking honestly about profit um, and about the, that one's relationship to it as an enterprise, but also as a, a, a social um, entrepreneur. Um, and I'm trying through this book to encourage people to talk about it. And in the speeches I give and the pontificating I do at conferences and events, I talk about this a lot because I think we need to have a, a grown-up conversation about it because where, are, where is the generation of leaders that will lead multi-million dollar, multi-million pound social enterprises? They're not going to do it for peanuts and we need to think about remuneration and money. So I'm also thinking with, with companies that, um, social entrepreneurial uh, companies that maybe employ people uh, who might say struggle to gain employment elsewhere? They must have a lot of people working for them. Where job security is really important. So, yeah. how do entrepreneurs kind of then, you know, approach risk? Because you know, if things don't go well, yeah, it's a. It, this is a really interesting one. In the uh, in the book, I tell the story of uh, one of the directors I had of the company in Liverpool was a great guy called Barry McKenzie, uh, who worked for a big uh, commercial furniture business, and he loved what we were doing. And he came onto the board and was, was a great support to us. And he spent a lot of time walking the shop floor, talking to people, getting in the cabs, going out with 
the drivers and the delivery guys. And he came to me one day and he said, you know what the big fault line that runs through this company is, Liam? It's appetite for risk and approach to risk. So you, Liam, as this self-labeling social entrepreneur, you like nothing better than taking risks. You're always coming to the board asking for investment for this new business activity, that new uh, thing that you want to do. You like that. You thrive on it. And if it doesn't work, let's be honest, you can go off and set up another business or go off and get yourself a well-paid job. It's not so clear if you are on the shop floor and you've come from long-term unemployment and you're an upholsterer or you're a driver or you're working back a house in the office. What you want is stability. What you want is predictability. What you want is to know that your rent, your mortgage, you know, will be paid next year. And so he was saying to me, Liam, is Barry talking, saying, so when you talk about this brave new future you want to bring to the company, to lots of people are looking at you and going "Mm, I'm not so sure and so that balancing between uh, the risk taking that is inherently necessary if you're trying to create something new a new approach to business you're trying to you know um, reduce inequality you've got to take risks inevitably but that how do you balance that with the desires of the people you are employing um, to um, be safe and be secure one of the ways we address that is by, you know, if we wanted to innovate, we often would set up a new company and sort of ring fence that um, uh, around. But I, I can't say that we had any answers um, to it. And, you know, as I, the entrepreneurs I see as they grow their businesses, I often see them become uh, more risk averse, much more conservative, much more cautious, which is understandable as the stakes get higher, more people on the payroll, more rent to pay for factories and office space and so on. But does that make them lose their socially entrepreneurial edge and their drive to take risks that need to be taken in order to address and solve some of the social problems that we all sit with? So I have no glib answer to it, um, but um, I encourage people through the book and through the mentoring and other places where I engage with people to start thinking about that and at least make some calls about the amount of risk that the, 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 the company has an appetite for. We've got about four minutes until I have to start to, to wrap up uh, Liam's. Wow, that went quick, didn't it? It's going quick, didn't it? Oh. <laughs> Give a speed. I hope that's a good sign. Well, it, it's, um, yeah, it went the speed of a superhero, which is my next point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you do see yeah, this. S is, S is for superhero, brackets, sorry, you're not one. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the, the, you know, I've been very publicly critical of some of the aspects of the PR industry around social entrepreneurship. I mean, you can literally go around the world going from conference to conference, award ceremony to award ceremony, being told how fabulous you are by a retired American presidents and celebrities and prime ministers. There's a big old um, industry out there. Schwab is involved in it. Jeff Skoll is involved in it through the Skoll Foundation. The, there are just so many of them. And I think that's great. I think it's really good that there's a you know, powerful voice that's out there advocating for social entrepreneurs and rewarding them. But, but it does often create this idea that there are this bunch of amazing superhero individuals with these superpowers who are going to change the world. And I just think that we need to be very, very careful you know, there is no social issue in the world that's going to be solved by one superhero person. 
And actually, all the social entrepreneurs I know, and I'm blessed to know so many of them, um, are that they are just ordinary people, sometimes who can do extraordinary things. And I think it's very very dangerous to put people up on pedestals. And I think we need to inject a lot of humility into this narrative of the social entrepreneur. And I say in the book, and I say it again and again to people, is that if you want a superhero skill, if you want a superpower, make that superpower the ability to create world-class teams. Because all organizations, all social enterprises that will succeed will be a collective effort and will be led by fantastic teams, not by the individual superhero. And, you know, in my leadership's journey, you know, I've I've tried on many different sort of leadership identities, the Stalin, you know, do as I say, the superhero, the messiah, and none of them work. It's got to be a collective effort. And I think that is the real skill that successful social entrepreneurs have is the ability to bring networks together, is the ability to create high-performing teams of very different sorts of people across sectors and industries um, rather than the, you know, I, I can do it on my own, which is bullshit and will lead to failure. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you, we also, you, you know, that kind of links into, you know, kind of values, doesn't it, and living the values of your organisation. And um, I'd just like to just... Before we finish, um, just briefly, if you could just share with us um, V for Values. And yeah. what's your experience with the Enron? Because I thought that was... Yeah, I tell the story in the book of... So values are our, our true beliefs in action, aren't they? You don't, don't believe what people say. Look at how they behave. That's what their real core beliefs are in how they act. And I tell the story in the book of going to Enron as the most egregious example of this, where... Um, uh, we went to Enron, went to their gleaming phallic symbol um, uh, headquarters in Houston in Texas, and um, we were lied to systematically by all of the leadership. But all over the building were these fantastic posters. They showed us a video that featured Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Cesar Chavez, telling us about all the brilliant values of the company. Um, and it was a lie. You know, their real values were greed and corruption and breaking the law. But you would never have known that from what was written on the walls. And that was a, such a powerful message to me about it really doesn't matter what you say and what are on the walls. The values are what you do. And that is particularly important for the social entrepreneur who may have a, a very high mission of changing the world and standing alongside the poor and the oppressed of the world. But unless their values, their behaviours are in alignment with what they say, it's very dangerous. And that leads to hypocrisy and the company not working. So I, I call that out a lot. We've got to finish, uh, finish there. But if you just got one thing, a final message you'd like to leave us with in, in about 15 seconds, what would it be? Well, I end the book with uh, a proverb that's very close to my heart, which is an Irish proverb, which I, I leave with your listeners, which is a good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in the doctor's book. <laughs> Liam, on that note, it's been wonderful talking to you today. And Thank I you very much. hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's been great. And for more information on Liam Black, go to www.thesamewavelength.com. And if you want to, um, we, we didn't cover the whole A to Z, we didn't have time, but if you want to um, buy the book, I've, I've read it right the way through. I thought it was a really enjoyable read and one that you can get through quite quickly and enjoy all the wonderful cartoons it's uh the social entrepreneurs a to z is available at amazon uh, and amazon.co.uk um, on next week's show we have joe simpson joe has uh, 
just um, had published a book called The Restless Executive. Um, Joe is a, a wonderful, authentic example of, uh, of an entrepreneur and speaker with a, a great message. So if you're feeling a little bit restless at the moment, um, do tune in next week because it will be another great show. And once again, uh, thanks again to Liam Black. That's a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your week.